Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. I really enjoy the... Helen, you felt the editor desperately needed to know as like upfront information that it was a lovely bunch of people <laughs> they were going to be editing for. Yeah, you don't want to be in the recordings where she's like, oh, I'm with a bunch of bastards. <laughs> it's going to be dreadful. I hate everything. <laughs> oh, you might want to get a drink, editor, because whoo! <laughs> <laughs> Rusty Quill presents Enthusiasm. Hello friends and fans and welcome to Enthusiasm, the show in which we talk about a few of our favourite things. I am your host Helen Gould, one of the best Rusty Quillers, and today we're talking about role-playing games. I am utterly transported and effervescently delighted 
to be joined. <laughs> Don't laugh, Johnny. To be joined by Becky, Ben, Johnny and Travis. I'm going to do a little round of introductions. I'm going to go alphabetically as usual. So, Becky, can you give us your pronouns and tell us what you do? Hello, I'm Becky Anderson. Uh, my pronouns are she, her, and I'm an award-winning, oh, much to my ooh. shock and horror, game designer of Lovecraft-esque, When the Dark is Gone, Bite Marks and others, uh, and I'm one half of Black Armada Games. And thank you so much for having me. I'm really pleased to be here. <laughs> thank you so much for coming on. Ben, you're up next. Hello, I'm Ben Meredith, one of the worst Rusty Quillers. <laughs> My pronouns are he, him, and I am a multi-award winning actor, but that's not relevant today. (laughs) My day job is a game designer for computer games, which is also tangentially relevant, uh, but not quite. Uh, And also I've done, you know, bits and bobs with tabletop things. Hmm. That's basically it. Cool. And uh, Mr. Jonathan, tell us your pronouns and what you do. Hi, I'm Johnny Sims, uh, he, him. And you probably know my voice from uh, the Magnus Archives, also on the Rusty Quill Network, but I'm mainly here because I am one half of MacGuffin and Company, a tabletop design and publishing company. Wonderful. And last but absolutely not least, Travis, give us your pronouns and tell us who you are. Hi, I'm Travis Vengroff, he, him, half of Fool and Scholar Productions, doing sound design, being the dungeon master of Dark Dice. I make some tabletop stuff for 5e and uh, my own system, Liberty After, and I'm here and having a lot of fun. Huzzah and hurrah. Excellent. Okay, so I'm going to start off the conversation by asking everyone sort of how you got involved in the RPG space, because for me it was via a convention it was a load of people wearing pink t-shirts and I said, what are you wearing the pink t-shirts for? And they said, oh, we're playing games. And I said, ooh, what kind of games? And they said, it's called Werewolf. And that was my initial slide into role-playing games. And I'd be interested to hear from all of you as to how you got into them. Yeah, um, I was sort of uh, pulled in a couple different ways in a few different directions. I started playing D&D because I was really bored on a school bus. My friend taught me how to play because we had like an... Uh, 40 to, to an hour long drive to and from school. Mm. And that really helped cut the time down. And then I kind of got into Warhammer about a decade later for a bit, um, for about a decade. And then uh, my, my wife and I bonded over a love of, of board games. And we really got deeper into that sort of subgenre of, of gaming, which is a lot of fun. So here's a question, right? Um, I don't know anything about Warhammer except from what I've heard from Grant Howard, and it sounds absolutely bonkers. Is this an accurate assessment? Bonkers would be an accurate assessment. And it's it's constantly <laughs> a different kind of bonkers every three to five years. Ah. <laughs> and a lot of it comes from it starting as this like really like British 2000 AD style satire of like... It's like, ah, oh, hyper-masculine space. It's very, like, Judge Dredd-style mm. thing, where it's like, ha, huh, look at this ridiculous exaggeration that has since become completely unironic. Oh. Hey, the, 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 the space fascists are the heroes, guys, <laughs> turns out. Who'd have thought? Mm, uh. I'm not sure about that, you know. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a weird one. Because they've got big shoulders. <laughs> Massive shoulders. Oh, yeah. if they've got big shoulders, then. But the orcs are just a bunch of brilliant football hooligans. Uh, who are mushrooms, don't forget. Who are mushrooms. Angry mushrooms. What? Yeah, they're fungus. The orcs are fungus. Who, can, who believe that they can fly enough that they can fly. Yeah, and if they paint something red, it does actually go faster, just because of collective belief. That's really inspiring, actually. <laughs> yeah, it's... Warhammer is 
it's fascinating because it's one of these things that on the surface looks like properly like grim dark in a very mm. serious way but every layer you peel back is like what is this <laughs> <laughs> this is absurd there are rats that are trying to rule the world and they're not pinky in the brain oh well good i support the rats um becky tell me how you get into role-playing games okay so um mine all started with a book in the school library uh-huh. and it wasn't a role-playing book it was a short novel which looking back on it I think was probably a satanic panic morality tale about the evils of role playing. Oh, <laughs> I love those. <laughs> well, it obviously worked. And I read it and I was like, this is amazing. <laughs> I should be doing this. This looks fantastic. And then I remember for my 11th birthday, saving up all of my money that I got for my 11th birthday and buying the black box of D&D with the red dragon on the front. Ooh. That sounds very fancy. I've been role-playing ever since, which is quite a long time now. Um, but yeah, that was it. It was, uh, it was a book designed to put me off role-playing, but in fact had completely the opposite effect. I can't remember the name of it as well. So, Well, wasn't the idea it was like, oh, oh, when people play Dungeons & Dragons, they all have to get together in a room and then the dungeon master has to tell them what to do and they must obey. And it's like it's the opposite of what happens. <laughs> Well, there's the classic Jack Chick tract, which I think is called Darkest Dungeons, mm. uh, which is about, like, I believe it is it is literally Satan, uh, who is the dungeon master, uh, corrupting the evangelical youth, um, because it's always, like, literally Satan in the Jack Chick tracts. Um, but I think, I think that has, there have been a lot of variants on that throughout the ages. So, no, I think, I think this book was a bit more... A bit darker than that. I mean, it was a children's book, so um, it can't have been that bad. But I seem to recall that some characters in the game in the book had died. And so eventually the DM thought that he had to murder the players. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was quite spicy. It was quite spicy. Oh, was it? It wouldn't have been like a point horror or one of these things <laughs> where they always like to just like grab any sort of like adolescent, uh, adolescent hobby and be like, how could this become murder <laughs> it could have been maybe it's rl stein and i've completely misremembered the whole thing uh ben how did you get into rpgs oh i didn't get into them until i was at university because i was too cool mm. i wasn't i wasn't at all um i spent a long time collecting Warhammer 40k and not not using it and then i spent all my pocket money on a necron monolith and went what am i doing with my money <laughs> <laughs> what's a necron monolith ben so necrons are cursed undead robot egyptians basically who want to wipe out all life on earth because their dark gods were like (laughs) that'd be funny (laughs) and they have like big like ziggurat temple things that hover around the the map and fire green laser beams and they're called monoliths and they look sick as (laughs) they do look really good they do look really good this is true but when you spend all your pocket money on them yeah yeah you get a bunch of plastic you all glued together and you're like, oh man, could have bought sweets. <laughs> could have bought so many double deckers. Uh, no, and basically I just, um, my house on campus at university was just chock full of nerds. Um, so they got me to start playing D&D 3.5. And off the back of that, I started playing Vampire the Requiem and then got it got put into uh, LARPing as well with a system that was based off Neil, Neil Gamer's Neverwhere. Interesting. Oh, do you want to mention what LARPing is, just for any audience who may not know? 
uh, live action role play. So it's it's basically like RPGs, but it's a well, no, it's there's a whole broad spectrum of it, right from sort of um, almost morality tale immersive experiences, which is sort of the Scandinavian LARP sort of school, where there's like LARPs where you get treated like refugees for a weekend, and they basically do Zimbardo's prison experiment. Oh. You know, yeah, but like more more controlled than just letting some students go absolutely feral. Um, but it's like immersive experiences that's supposed to like teach you empathy stuff like that. Huh. They get very very serious. Uh, you've got like parlor stuff where you know there's absolutely no rules and it's just people sort of dressing up nice and and just improving. Uh, and you go to to big fest events where there's like loads of rules and everyone's got hit points and you're running about um, with armor and stuff, whacking each other with rubber swords. Uh, yeah, so there's a whole whole spectrum of that. It's quite fun. <laughs> It does sound it. And lastly, Johnny, how did you get involved? It, it's weird listening to to you all talk about it because I I I very much was the friend on Travis's school bus and the <laughs> campus housemate of Ben because <laughs> my dad's been like doing tabletop since I don't know the seventies or something. So it always was going on in my house growing up every Tuesday night, and when I was about eight. I was like, oh, this is super cool. I really want to join in. And my dad's group let me a bit. You know, I'm I'm sure that a bunch of like, you know, beer drinking, swearing 40-somethings absolutely thrilled to have <laughs> uh, an eight-year-old sitting in on the first hour or two of their games. But then as soon as I got the chance, I was like, no one else outside my family seemed to have like heard of this thing. So I was throughout most of my life just dragging people in, being like, hey, do you want to do this thing? Do you want to play this? <laughs> um, and then, you were the boy that Jack Trick warned you about. Yeah, except right at the start of uni, I decided, no, I've grown out of this. Like, this was this was cool when I was a teenager, but I'm a, I'm a grown-up now. <laughs> and then in second year, someone in one of the societies I, w- I was in was like, oh, uh, yeah, we, we were thinking of, like playing this game like i think it's like savage worlds but we can't make head nor tail of the rules and i was like okay <laughs> <laughs> i have trained for this my whole life <laughs> yeah and that was very much like okay i'm back in fully that's beautiful yeah just when i thought i was out <laughs> yep. i love that just when i thought i was out <laughs> university pulled me back in <laughs> okay Something I want to talk about then is like, can everyone remember like the first character that you played? Because I think we all have many, many years of it between us. But I still remember my first one. Maybe that's because it was like 2013 when I played it. But the first proper RPG I was in was a Monster Hearts game. And I played a vampire. (laughs) And the person who was playing the mortal was really into it. And I had no idea what to do. (laughs) She was like, I throw myself at you. And I was like, okay. um, I'm a lot more confident with that kind of thing now. But I was like, is this allowed? I don't... Is this what I meant to do? Oh, ah. God. The, the idea of there being, like, romance in any, like, <laughs> of my early RPG experiences is like, oh, my God. Like, the biggest event I remember from my first character is when I rolled amazingly and, and bisected a, a, an ogre uh, in a single in a single blow. Oh, <laughs> that, that was like, yes, good. It's always fun to bisect. Yeah. In, in, in imagination, as a... As a game. (laughs) Good clarification. (laughs) Or on stage as a magician. (laughs) Any other takers? 
My characters always just died. Oh. They barely made it a day. <laughs> oh, no. I have terrible dice rolls. My first one was a, an orc character, and I just played a bunch of Warcraft 1 or 2. And I was like, oh, I'm going to raid a human settlement. I, I'm going to do this. And then I, mm. I obviously couldn't solo it, so I was dead pretty quickly. Uh, but I tried. I tried. Aww. And then I had a second character who was also an orc trying to avenge the previous orc. And then I died a second time. <laughs> and then I decided I'd do something completely different and just... I, I died oh, to different ways. Have you ever actually... Uh, there, there is an RPG system called Orc. <laughs> uh, and it really sounds like you have accidentally played that system. Uh, because the way Orc works is you start off with like a stack of like 30 character sheets that are basically identical. And then you just basically work your way through as all your Orcs die uh, throughout the course of your adventure. Aww. That sounds amazing. No, I haven't heard of that. It's so much fun. You just sat around a table roaring. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. I love that concept. I wonder if you can make like a game that's based just on who can be the loudest. That would be a bad idea, actually. <laughs> that would be very bad. I mean, in a, in a convention setting, you wouldn't be popular. <laughs> I think in any setting where there are other people around, like in this flat, I can hear everything that's going on next door. So <laughs> I do wonder sometimes what they think when they hear me podcasting, because they can't hear any of you. They just hear me talking to myself really loudly and excitedly for hours on end. <laughs> maybe, maybe they think you're a medium. Oh, mm. I hope so. I'd love to be the spooky neighbour. <laughs> Becky, do you have any notable first characters or things you remember from early on? Oh, man, this is really hard. I think mostly because my first characters would have been 30 years ago, which is Ooh. really scary when I say that out loud. <laughs> I don't think I've said that out loud before. <laughs> That's really, whoa. Yeah, so I've been role-playing for 30 years, so there's no way that I can remember my very first character. I can definitely remember probably... The, the first kind of important character to me was uh, when I played Amber Diceless and mm. I played, I think, for about five years in the end from the ages of, or maybe four years, from the ages of 17 through 21, I was in a long running Amber Diceless campaign, which I loved. And I had an Amber character called Neve and she was probably my favourite. What's Amber Diceless? I've actually never heard of that. Oh, Oh, <laughs> oh! I'm going to settle in. Let me tell you. So it was big in the late '90s, Helen. I wouldn't worry about it. Johnny, <laughs> <laughs> it was big in the late '90s. I'm a child of the '90s. I cannot deny it. Uh, so Amber Diceless is based off a series of sort of pulp fantasy books. They're a little bit noiry in the beginning by Roger Zelazny called The Amber Chronicles. The first five are excellent. The second five don't exist as far as most people are concerned, so you shouldn't bother. But they're all quite short and they're all quite fun. Um, and they involve a, a, a royal family who live in a sort of a fantasy world with various weird fantasy powers. And uh, Eric Ruchik wrote a role-playing system based off the back of it. And it was notable for kind of two reasons, I think. Firstly, that uh, it had no dice. So everything's done off stats and sort mm. of trusting the GM or sort of negotiation over stacking the deck, by which I mean, so you have stats and you would then compare stats to see who won in the battle, for example. But if you had a lower stat, but you were able to kind of 
cheat somehow, stack the battlefield in your favour, then that fictional positioning could have a sort of an impact. But, you know, there was no kind of way of quantifying that particularly versus your stats. So it was very much a kind of suck it and see, you know, when you see it kind of a GMing style, which I was quite down with at the time. Um, I think the other thing is, is that like tucked away right in the back of Amber Diceless is rules for shared GMing or like passing the GM role around people. I know that everyone always talks about Rocky and Bullwinkle. Was that being the first game about shared GMing? All the American guys like Jason Morningstar talk about Rocky and, the Rocky and Bullwinkle game. But for me, it was uh, Amber Diceless just kind of tucked away in the back was this whole, but what if what if there were, was multiple GMs? Aww. That's pretty cool. I actually uh, remember quite well. I think I played a D&D 3.5 dwarf, I think, called Karad, um, <laughs> which is the first two syllables of Karadras, you know, the, the mountain. Of course it is. Oh, I love it. I love it. Yeah, because I'm a massive nerd. Sorry, I mean, I'm too cool for role-playing <laughs> games. Uh, as, uh, just please believe me. And they were a dwarven... Oh, I think a prestige class of like a hunter or something. But okay, and uh, you know, I will uh, say I was eighteen. Uh, you know, I was I was at university. I was all all hopped up, and I wanted to to a character who was meaningful. So they were kicked out of their uh, community and became a hunter for being gay. Because oh, I'm going to say something with this D and D character. <laughs> I mean, I just you know, it was very much just oh, I just I didn't do anything with it. It was for no other reason. And I was like, oh yeah, no, this would be serious. I'm going to be serious about this role playing stuff and deal with issues. Idiot! Can't believe Ben's going to be cancelled for bad representation in his 18 year old yeah. 3.5 <laughs> campaign. A ham fisted, <laughs> ham fisted goofus attempt. Uh, but yeah, I mean. Uh, and what I mainly like, he had stone armor, uh, hit like a brick shit house, <laughs> and um, eventually got roll or died and disintegrated because the lich cast finger of death on him, <laughs> and he disintegrated, and his armor was so big that it just like slightly sagged, and nobody realized oh. he died. Oh, that's really sad. Because oh, no. the armor held itself up. It was really funny. <laughs> because obviously we all knew it. Because like my mate who was the GM Merlin, which is his real name, rolled like a billion damage and we all sat there being like oh no and then had to pretend that i was still alive for like the next four rounds of combat being like get out of the way so standing in front of the corridor it was great fun it's a very dnd story isn't it Absolutely. i love it johnny have you gone yeah uh well i mean i i legitimately don't remember because i was quite young there's a like there's a, a few it might have been one of which was a dwarf of my own uh, i can't remember what class i just remember he had an axe and bisected that ogre i also remember that my dad tried to because this was after i'd bought a copy of D third edition of, of my very own and my dad was trying to, to run us through some stuff in it Aww. and he decided he wanted to adapt a module from warhammer fantasy roleplay called castle drakenfels which is this like I've I've read since and is incredibly grotesque horror and and he sort of very much like dampened it down and like I'll be honest we didn't really get it uh, because most of it sailed clean over our heads. <laughs> the other one it might have been there was a traveler game oh that my dad's group were playing in where everyone was like amnesiacs in sort of space <laughs> space USSR and I was a child who ended up getting blown up because i was poking around a helicopter wreckage i i i remember being like oh i'm just dead and the gem who 
looking back on it, probably quite happy to blow up the the the, the child. <laughs> <laughs> Was like, yeah, sorry. Oof. <laughs> Guess you'll have to go to bed now. <laughs> <laughs> Whoops. <laughs> what a shame. Uh, it was not a million miles away. Not a million miles away. <laughs> uh, I do remember Fiasco being... Um, the first time I played that, I found that quite difficult mm. because I didn't get it at the time i was still because it was very early on and i was the same way i was in monster hearts i was trying to win (laughs) Um, and that is a very very bad attitude to Mm. take into fiasco (laughs) but a very common one when you're just starting out. yes it's true arguably that's one of the potentially i mean the problems like you've got you know when when you're shepherded by a good dm or a good group it's 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 dealt with but but stuff like D &D, when you have hit points and loot and experience and it's Mm-hmm. I wouldn't say the computer gamification because this was doing it before computer games were, arguably. So maybe it's the D and Dification of computer <laughs> games, right? But that idea of like the like the endless hoarding of power and influence mm. kind of makes people want to win, right? Like it's the whole thing. Like, oh yeah, you beat the gem, and it's like, oh yeah, all right. I guess that's one way to play. I guess if you enjoy that, it's you know it's valid. But I mean, to be fair, a lot of games like D and D, it feels weird to talk about them in the same way one might talk about gambling. But there is you you roll a dice, and on a high number, you get an instant hit of like, oh this re- this really nice thing has happened. Oh I've done this amount of damage or like i have received this amount of treasure or this amount of hit points and like it's the 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 stakes like it hits the same part of the brain in a lot of ways i think i don't think it's weird right i mean you you are literally just you're i mean you're you're gambling with a fictional person's life Mm. yeah your life right but that's those are the stakes right you've got stakes you're trying to avoid the the stakes going in your favor like you have the house of the gm yeah and I think that is the joy you get from that sort of role playing is is just as valid as the joy you get of like four minds meeting, <laughs> crafting an epic tale of betrayal and love. Oh, yeah, it's, it's, yeah. It's <laughs> Ultimately. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. Like none of these I think are like inherently bad or worse than the other. I think there's pros mm. and cons to all of the approaches. I do think that if you have a table that is really entrenched in we are the players and we are against the GM, if you're not careful, that because there's a there's this thing of like bleed, right? Mm. And I think that you have to be really careful in those situations not to end up being mean to your poor GM <laughs> or for them to do it to you. You could definitely argue that the more immersive games mm. kind of run that risk as well. Oh, right? yeah. If you have like a to- torrid relationship between two players, like that's, if you're really going for it, that can, that can really bleed. Well, like in a lot of, in a lot of like heavy duty LARP circles, oh. like you talk about aftercare the same yep. way you do in something like the BDSM community, mm. you know, anything where there is huge and significant, deliberately evoked emotion, you need to deal with those emotions afterwards. Yes. But on that note, we're going to take a little break and then we're going to come back and talk about this because now we're getting into the stuff that I'm really interested in. <laughs> so see you in a minute. Hello everyone, Helen here, who you probably know from Rusty Quill's first podcast, Rusty Quill Gaming, or from our chat show, Enthusiasm. Today, I'm here to tell you about Chapter and Multiverse, the new actual play podcast from Rusty Quill. 
Across each series of Chapter Multiverse, we'll be diving into multiple tabletop systems. No two series will ever be the same as we explore the city of Chapter across alternative universes. Chapter and Multiverse will feature a diverse, rotating cast of performers. In our first series, GM Maddie Searle will be running a campaign of Masks A New Generation, designed by Brendan Conway. She will be joined by Ahmed Al-Jabri, Lorianne Davis, Lydia Nicholas and Pip Gladwin as intrepid young superheroes in the metropolis of Chapter, with Kareem Cronfley as the Eternal Tavern Keeper. Search for Chapter and Multiverse wherever you listen to your podcasts or visit www.rustyquill.com for more information. Enjoy! Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. 
and welcome back. So, Travis, I'm interested in what you think about the di- these different opposing gaming styles and how they can affect players around the table as well. I, I think it's actually, uh, I haven't played Diceless in quite a while. And honestly, I'm, I'm also really excited that you all have played people with who are, are very sober. I'm, I'm normally also sort of a caretaker of our, <laughs> our, our typical group. Um, so I, I, it's, it's a lot of hand-holding and just making sure we have uh, collectively a very fun time. And I, I am sort of the showman. Um, so I, I haven't got to experience the collective stuff, except with Dark Dice, where it sort of goes off the rails and the players decide they want to go the other direction that I hadn't planned and randomly sing musicals and, and do weird things. But um, I think they're all, uh, they're both valid. They're both quite fun and intriguing. And the, uh, the bleed stuff is also interesting. I haven't had to deal with that yet so much. Uh, mostly because people expect to come into my games to die, uh, which is sort of the setting expectations part. So I, I, I think these are cool topics that I need to expand on more and, and play more and think on more. Also, because like actual play and like performing a role playing mm. is such a different experience, at least yeah. to me, than like a social game that is being done uh, for 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 fun and like to to, to explore stuff, uh, because there is that inherent distance between playing the character feels a lot more like an acting role in a lot of ways yes i think i mean i don't know how you feel ben but i think it's absolutely a completely different i'm very much more of an actor on rqg than i am when i'm just like pissing about oh yeah entirely it's an entirely different skill um yeah and you know what i've said this before but like i think it does give a really really uh unhelpful view of how rpgs are played to people who are maybe thinking about getting into yeah. the hobby and they listen to a bunch of actual plays like oh wow these people are so professional mm. and they sound so slick and snappy and it's like well yes they are professionals mm-hmm. and they're being edited heavily edited yeah mm. oh so heavily oh my goodness yeah. <laughs> <laughs> i recently listened to um i did my preview listen of rqg 206 which is which will have come out by the time this episode is out but there's some combat in it and I know it's it's about 42 minutes long and I know that it has been vastly edited down <laughs> because that is one of the episodes that ran really long because we were all trying to figure out where we were and what was happening and what effects we could do. It was when I was trying to decide whether to use one spell or another and we had like a big conversation. Yeah, it probably took us like two <laughs> hours, right? It's also interesting that like a lot of games recently experiment with different levels of abstraction and inhabitation. Yeah. So mm. I'm like thinking specifically of uh, Blades in the Dark, which uh, we've been having a, a game of, well, were having a game of before everything shut down. And um, a couple of the players were, were struggling a bit because it does this thing where it's constantly jumping between these three levels. So you've got, like, the strategic level, which is basically, if you think of it, like, map of the city, your gang's stats, like, oh, well, what are we doing? What's the abstract thing we're doing? And then you've got the, like, within a scene, you've got a level of abstraction, so you're talking about the individual characters, but you're like, oh, well, uh, the the two of us are doing this, Mm. like, manoeuvre. Uh, which operates in these abstract and mechanical ways, and it's a, and it's comparatively rare that you will then zoom into actually being a character and voicing the character and interacting with the world as that character. And uh, like uh, a few of, of our players have really struggled with that constant jumping between those layers because yeah, I think I would too. They were much more used to 
purely being in that inhabitation level, like purely being like, no, I, I am my character when I'm speaking, I'm probably speaking for my character, mm. you know? And so, like, not only moving to that those abstracted levels, but jumping between them was very disorientating for them. Yeah. Um, so it, it's interesting that that sort of inhabitation abstraction is something that is being played with, I think, a lot more with systems these days. Mm. Becky, I saw you nodding along. Yeah, I think that in our circles we've talked about something akin to that but slightly different, I think, which is this idea of the difference between a sort of actor stance and director stance in character, mm. where in actor stance you are immersed in your character, you're speaking in their voice, you are making decisions based on what they would do in accordance with their personality. And when you're in director stance, you're kind of looking at a whole myriad of different things. So what decision would my character make based on their personality is not the same as what decision would my character make, which would be fun for all the other players at the table. Mm. What decision will my character make, which will push this story in a really juicy direction. <laughs> and, and, and kind of finding this sweet spot, I think, particularly if you want to get into the really good bleedy game space i think getting a really good sweet spot between totally inhabiting your character but knowing just enough on the kind of the meta level of where to push the plot or other players character or to push your kind of interaction and plot into other characters space in a way which is really meaty for them to grab onto i think there's kind of a real uh, a real finessing that you can do around that which is quite cool and exciting yeah, like metagaming, which is often mm. often talked of as like a, a bad thing. It's like, oh, you're metagaming because you're like, oh, you, you might have read this module five years ago and you remember a twist or this sort of thing. But I, I often think that there's a lot, like there's a lot of good metagaming that you do as well, mm. which is like if you see a character, like another player character, and you're like, oh, I think, I think I've figured out what their secret is, but I'm deciding that my character hasn't which means that my character can act in ways that are like going to be really fun and funny and a little bit cruel maybe oh, yeah. <laughs> it's so much i was just going to say that this for me this typifies the difference between the role player i am now and the role player i was when i was 11 <laughs> so when i was 11 and if i heard out of character that another player was going to betray us and steal an item, then I'd have found it really hard. I'd been like, oh, well, I have this out-of-character knowledge. I wish I didn't know, because now I don't know what to do. Now, older Becky knows that if I know your character is the traitor, I will give you the item. I will hand it to you, and I will say, you're the only person I trust with this. <laughs> and then I will sit back, wait for you to hurt me with it. Um, and that, you know, I feel I've really grown as a role player that I can, you know, that I see that that is now the best thing to do. <laughs> So I think that's it is a really interesting uh, sort of uh, dynamic that you get with like this inhabitation thing of like I think it's almost a, a horseshoe because like with with the games you've got like the crunchy stuff you're exalted so your travelers to a certain extent your D and D's and your pathfinders that kind of stuff and then you go to your sort of super diceless like I, I've never actually played it but from reputation like your ten candles which is very much just like a you get in a room and you have an experience with one another. Ooh, um, yeah. And like then in the middle, and with those two, I think obviously with with the big, the very much the story ones, like yeah. sort of how, how Becky's talking is like, yeah, you'll kind of also take a bit of a directorial eye to it. But with your your really crunchy stuff, you, you tend to only ever inhabit your own character's head, and that's the only perspective you're working from. Which I think mm. is potentially another reason why they are so accessible that you're only having to juggle a single thing. Mm. But I think, and it's, I was trying to think of like 
because I've tried to run Blades in the Dark and I struggle with basically the same thing that I think that Johnny was talking about with this like constant, you know, lensing in and lensing out. Because it almost, it uses the, like the semiotics of your your sort of storytellers game. It's like your PBTAs, which also has some of this aspect, but it's much more about inhabiting the character and making like dramatic decisions. But then inside, like you open up the book, which you expect to be like powered by the apocalypse. And then you, you find that Blades of the Dark is like, so heavily mechanized and so heavily structured um and it still talks about like well effectively moves and stuff but every single thing you do is like there is a rule for that and you're going out between perspectives and you're just like oh i just thought i was gonna have a nice improv time with my mates (laughs) Uh, it's a game where you kind of your instinct is to like try and tell an interesting crime story Whereas actually it needs the players to be proactive in a way that like I think a lot of systems like don't. Yeah, that's that's exactly what I tried to do. Uh, and actually just a, a quick plug because I will never not plug them. And actually one thing I do like actual place for is it's a very like some of sometimes it's a really good example of how to run a system well. Mm. And although it is, you know, much more controlled than a real game it's like you can get some methodology stuff um but these flimsy rituals are doing a really good blaze in the dark campaign mm. they're the third of shambles people and it's fabulous so i'd recommend having a listen to that well on that i want to ask everyone if anyone has a favorite system or game ah! <laughs> <laughs> screaming immediately <laughs> travis you did not scream so i'm gonna ask you first Oh no, uh, that's an easy one for me. I just, I love 5e because again, I'm always playing with new players a lot of the times and it's a fairly easy rule set to to plug pretty easily um, and get people into. Sometimes I'll do a diceless thing as well where it's just like, all right, you're bank robbers. Your job is to rob the bank and survive. And that's another great introductory sort of thing because mm-hmm. I like skyhooks and I like having everyone working toward either different plots, but they know that they're trying to do it in a fun way or the same thing generally, but there's at least goals pushing everyone in a direction to some degree, more structured. I have heard a lot of really good things about D&D 5e. Like a lot of people are saying that it's a lot easier than it has been previously. It's it's a really good system, which is not something I could say about any other Dungeons and Dragons. <laughs> yes. <laughs> like, uh, just like, it, it's a game that I am always happy to play at this point, which, you know, hasn't been the case previously. Mainly because I'm a massive hipster, but... Also because the systems weren't right. <laughs> so if that's not your favourite system, what on earth is it, Johnny? Oh, God, I don't know. Choose your favourite cat. <laughs> yeah. uh, so many. Uh, like, oh, I. This is a question where I can't really give a current answer mm. because there are so many amazing systems that I'm really loving getting stuck into at the moment. Uh, so I feel like I kind of have to default to the one that has been most meaningful to me uh, throughout my... Although the, the trouble is it's it's Deadlands Classic, <laughs> which is problematic as hell, because <laughs> it's like it's a, a magical Wild West, which is like just as... Uh, if you're like, oh, I wonder all the different angles of problematic content that one could include <laughs> in an alternate history Wild West setting. Mm. It's all there, all of it. <laughs> but... I didn't catch any of that when I was uh, 16 through 21. And the actual system itself, just, it's so thematic. Like, you draw a hand of cards for your initiative. Uh, your re-rolls are all with poker chips. Uh, you can play playing card-based uh, hucksters, uh, magicians, who are basically mentally playing cards with demons 
to cast their magic. And the mechanics for this is you draw a hand of cards, and depending on what poker hand you get, it goes off better or worse. And it is, it's just at every level incredibly thematic. Mm. It was a game that I played a lot at a very formative time. And so it's it's the one that like I, I'm very much like, oh yeah, no, it's yeah, it's 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 deadlines. <laughs> Becky how about you oh man now that is a tough one I've played so many systems over the years and I'm just going to go for something which is one that I reliably enjoy running Mm. because I think that's the kind of the key for me is that I can play just I can play anything uh, and I'm happy to play anything and if you ever talk to anybody from my home gaming group they're like yeah Becky you know every time someone puts a thing up on the schedule channel saying oh is anybody interested in this it doesn't matter what it is first person in there is me saying yeah I'll play that <laughs> what, what is it again so I'll play anything but um, I find it um, I'm much, much more picky about what I'll run. Mm. Wouldn't run D&D because I just wouldn't just enjoy running it. But what I love running is Monster Hearts. Yes. I love it to the, my depths of my soul. I hack I hack it about. I run it in a really, really particular way. And I, I run hard. I play rough when we play Monster Hearts. And, you know, I kind of warn people we have lamps of safety tools in play when we play it because we we go really hard yes you'll always need them for monster hearts you really need them for monster hearts you need them for everything <laughs> but you really need them for monster hearts and really kind of encouraging people to peel back the layers of their feelings mm. and dive hard into the drama and i just think that monster hearts has so many tools and levers for doing that which were really fresh when it came out yeah and it kind of, it's, I think it still just stands up there doing doing the thing it's intended to do. Yeah, Monster Hearts is my favourite as well. That's what I was going to say. I just... Yeah. Oh no, I'm sorry, I stole your thunder. No, no, it's good. It's lovely. I love the concept. I, I just, I, I like monsters. <laughs> it's even in my Twitter bio. I like monsters. I like the concept of weird things that sometimes are scary and sometimes they're good and sometimes they're bad and i just i love the monstrous Mm. and sometimes they're sexy (laughs) i was gonna say becky i can or everything you were saying i can really really felt that come through when you ran bite marks for (laughs) us are are you okay now (laughs) i had a great time it was really good bite marks is really really good becky Also, Becky, you're not in our Discord, but um, there's been a lot of appreciation for Bite Marks. Lots of people really, really loved it. Oh, I'm so pleased. I'm so pleased you enjoyed it. it. Ben, what do you reckon your favourite is? So to be honest, like first it was D&D 3.5 because it was the first game and a bunch of people that I knew were really enthusiastic about it and that's always very infectious. Yeah. Then it was Vampire the Requiem. Uh, because it's kind of like D&D a bit, but you get to roll fistfuls of dice and it's slightly more story first. And then it was Corporation, which is a really like broadly generic cyberpunk RPG, which I did run on on, uh, Rustical Gaming actually. But uh, yeah, it's one of those games where it's really easy to build a thing where you say, oh, my stats are so good, I, I just kill the, you know, super agent with the monofilament whip that's ensconced in my fingernail like it's it's really <laughs> tropey bullshit but in a really fun way yeah and then i think it became exalted because i really ex- respect what exalted third edition is trying to do 
the looming presence of Orientalism aside, because like that's you know it gets into pretty dodgy territory, I think. <laughs> uh, but again, being able to roll these massive fistfuls of dice and have this like really intricate like system which interlinks with the different things you can do, and they pop out into like really interesting builds, is really good. Mm. And then I think it ended up with Pathfinder Second. It's probably the system that like I I like the most at the moment because I think it's a a better evolution of the D20 system than D&D 5th is. Mm. Mainly, I think, because they got to look at D&D 5th and then they got to make Pathfinder 2nd in the same way that like Pathfinder 1st is better than D&D 3.5 because it's a it's a hack of it. <laughs> uh, so, you know, they have the benefit of hindsight. Uh, yeah, uh, and that's kind of where I'm at, except for the game that I'm most excited to try upcoming, but I'll save that. <laughs> Thank you very much. <laughs> so, yes, I want to round out this episode because we are coming to time with what each of you are excited to see either coming out or something that you're about to play or that you want to play. My answer is going to maybe sound a bit weird because it's a game that I did consultation for. It's called Brothers in Arms. And it's a really interesting exploration of... Um, of war and Ooh. the disposability of soldiers and like the the consequences of like a fascist nation state and it's an it's an excellent setting and i really enjoyed reading it and i would like to play it sometime and it has one of the best safety sections i've ever read in it um for obvious reasons because there's a lot of trauma in the game i think it's i think it's a lovely game and i'm looking forward to seeing that get published i was really going to do an edwin star war huh joke there but as you as you kept talking i was like this isn't appropriate <laughs> <laughs> it's a very serious game about war <laughs> it's a very serious game i can't but it is the, the thesis of the game before. is very much war what is it good for so you know it's that is <laughs> the underlying thing <laughs> becky what are you looking forward to oh man that's a tough one i've got <laughs> my perennial stack of games that i keep meaning to read and and get into and i suppose top of those would be the desanction oh um oh. yeah i think i think it's just one game of the year at ukge I th- oh i think i want to say that by paul baldowski um of all rolled up and the cthulhu hack fame and so, yeah, I think that's the that's the kind of top of my pile of things to read that I'm kind of quite curious to get to the table at the moment. That's, uh, what is that going to be? Tudor, Tudor Magicians. Oh, excellent. That, that sort of thing, isn't it? Elizabethan, I think, if John, it's John yeah. Dee. Yeah, I think so. I love yeah. It's never yeah. occurred to me to play a game set in like the Tudor court, but I would be really into that. But that's partly because I'm really into the Tudors as like a time period. Because <laughs> it was, it was bizarre. <laughs> And cheater occultism and all of that good stuff. <laughs> so what? So much weird shit was happening. Um, Travis, how about you? What are you looking forward to? I'm really looking forward to Avatar Legends. I'm, oh, yeah. I, I know things, but I can't say them because I'm not sure what's been announced and, and stuff. I'm not involved, <laughs> but I maybe know someone or two who is. And from what I understand, it's going to be amazing. I did not think... I would be as excited as I am, but I love the world and what they're, the ways they're allowing people to interact with that world are very fun and near and dear. And like when you hear something, something, it sparked a childhood joy in me that I did not, I have not experienced in in a bit with an idea or a concept. Mm. So that's, that's what I'm really excited for, but don't know enough about. And I know it's on Kickstarter, I think in their last parts right now but that's about it made 11 billion (laughs) dollars is it based on avatar the last airbender 
both The Last Airbender and Korra, um, Legend of ah. Korra. So I, I think they're, they're both in there, um, in the different timelines. And there was another one that just came out that I'm excited to play, which is the uh, Kingdoms and uh, Warfare. It's a... Mm. It's its own game, but it's within 5e where you can basically, like, my players are always like, I want to run a kingdom. It's like, okay, here are the rules for running a kingdom and building your domain and expanding things. And it's it's literally like its own simplified version of Warhammer without having to buy hundreds of miniatures. <laughs> so I think it's... That sounds like a big USB. Ben, how about you? What do you have in mind? Are you looking forward to I am now looking forward to the Avatar system because Travis reminded you because it's the same studio that made Masks and Root. Oh, yeah, and and also because uh, I think that might be that might be the vector by which I get my wife into role playing games. <gasps> yes, because she's she's resisted so far, but she likes Avatar, so maybe I'll get her in that way. One of us. Yeah, and also I forgot about Trailer Cthulhu, which is another game that I really really enjoy uh, and is like one of my favourite systems. Like the Gumshoe system is is super cool the Cthulhu bit maybe not so much <laughs> but yeah no. Uh, what I'm actually really looking forward to playing is what I've got I've got it sitting on my desk because I'm actively reading it which is Heart ah. excellent choice by Ryan Rook and Deckard yeah. yeah I've just been just been reading through the system and, and the ways that various characters can die and getting more and more excited about running it so I really really want to find a way to run it and Johnny how about you I feel really awkward because I was expecting everyone else to use it as a as a way to to plug their stuff. I don't have any stuff to plug, Johnny. Uh, and I don't now have I'm the any only stuff one to plug. Well, I'm on the I'm the I'm like because we're we're working on a system at the moment called Pit Crawler that I'm legitimately really loving and really excited about because it's a it's a two player RPG like inspired by like fighting fantasy and old adventure game books. It's it's very much doing a sort of ironic but also not not ironic <laughs> high fantasy like wizards uh, <laughs> nonsense thing and i'm having a huge amount of fun refining it and playtesting it but i feel awkward now because everyone else has, has named other people's work <laughs> and i'm like my, my the thing i'm looking forward to is is me by me <laughs> <laughs> coming out when i choose make the games you want to see in the world mate you know yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, and, it, and I, I say me, it is, it is me and Sasha, we, we are very much working on it together. Aside from that, I picked up a copy of Tales from the Loop. Ooh. Oh, I'd love to, yes. I'm that's very, very good. keen to, to, give a, to give a world to. So, yeah, because that's, that's got a lot of, like, the sort of teen adventure vibes mm. that I, like, I want to see more of in a lot of RPGs, but, like, I, don't, I, haven't, I haven't found the right system to run that stuff yet. I thought Bubblegumshoe might be it at one point, but didn't didn't land with our with our group so i'm very keen to give tales from the loop a sh- a i ran a session of it at a con once and it was uh, it was a lot of fun to run so i'd be excited mm. to see what you think about it excellent all right well we have come to the end of our hour or so of chatting this has been great you're all so smart <laughs> you're great <laughs> so are you helen <laughs> Thank you, listeners, for listening to us chat about RPGs in the gaming space. I hope that you also had fun. But for now, it's goodbye from me. Goodbye. And it's goodbye from all of them. Would you like to say goodbye, everybody? Goodbye. Goodbye. Enthusiasm is a podcast distributed by Rusty Quill and licensed under a Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial Share-Alike 4.0 International License. It is directed by Helen Gould, 
produced by Lori Ann Davis, with executive producers Alexander J. Newell and April Sumner, and edited by Marissa Ewing, Tessa Vroom, Jeffrey Nils Gardner, and Catherine Ranella. Thanks for listening. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hi, everyone. It's Helen here the voice of Azu, Enola, and Laverne. Today, I'm here to tell you about Woe Begone, a podcast launched on the RQ Network. Woe Begone is a weekly horror sci-fi audio drama series about the nature of power and the implications of linear time. Woe Begone follows Mike Walters, who discovers a mysterious and violent online game. What begins as an exploration of an alternate reality game with real-life consequences quickly becomes a search for the technology that makes the game possible. Each episode has a unique soundtrack composed by creator and writer Dylan Griggs. Listen to Woe Begone, spelled woe period begone, wherever you listen to podcasts. Or check out woebegonepod.com for episodes and transcripts. Have fun, and see you later.